0: Hey, welcome to the default live podcast. I'm Corey and I'm Chris, and this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. How are things going?
1: How's the, the week been and how was the week last week? Yeah, things are going well. I, uh, had a long weekend, took Friday off for my wife's birthday, which was super fun. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, We just did a short trip up to Oceanside, and we're saying even though it's only like 35, 40 minutes away, it still felt like we had gone somewhere totally different, um, mm. so that was really nice. Oh, you it went there like this last vacation. weekend? Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, had you been there before? I feel like you have.
1: Uh, we've only stopped in Oceanside like to get food on mm. the way to LA or wherever up north, but yeah, that was our first time actually staying there. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked amazing. We we always, I think I mentioned it here before,
0: but we always talk about every time we leave San Diego, we're like, why don't we just do a staycation? <laughs> Not that everywhere else is bad, but we're just like, yeah. dude, San Diego is such an amazing vacation spot. And we just go, you know, drive up, you know, on the coast or somewhere and
1: it looks like a great spot. Yeah. I know. It's funny. It was my wife she was kind of leaning towards doing a staycation and I felt like, eh, it's kind of boring. Like I want to go somewhere. Um, so we were originally looking at somewhere in LA, but then with the COVID situation there, we decided to stay closer to home and, uh, yeah, it actually worked out really well and it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it looked amazing. Oceanside's beautiful and, uh, you get like the perks of going somewhere else or like it's even, it has like kind of a similar feel to like, you know like a mexico or like a caribbean but it's you know 30 minutes away so
1: it's pretty nice. <laughs> you don't have to pay for yeah. the flights you can pay more for the hotel and stuff like that i know i was like oh man i forgot like how nice it is to just be able to drive somewhere uh because the last couple trips we've done you know we flew back to chicago and it's like right, especially with yeah. the baby it's really nice to drive <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, yeah yeah
0: i don't blame you well that's cool yeah i mean similarly i was uh I was out Thursday and Friday, worked a little bit on Thursday morning, but short, short week, long weekend. Um, not so much of a staycation. Um, it was a, a high school summer camp with our church and, uh, my wife now is at the junior high camp, but I spent four days with a bunch of high schoolers and, um, uh, it was great in the sense that, um, it was good to like get away I unplugged. I was like, it was not on Twitter. It was on email. It was not on Slack. I like checked in just to see if there's anything, you know, wrong or any fires I need to put out or anything like that. But, um, it felt really good just to like unplug and be away. And, uh, but it was exhausting. I played lots, lots of volleyball. <laughs> I'm 99% sure I broke my pinky toe. <laughs> oh no. my. Um, so, I mean, it's not that bad because it's your pinky toe and, you know, you don't do that much with it, but, it's all like purple and swollen. And, uh, my wife actually broke her pinky toe like two years ago. So like, we kind of like know what to look for now. And the doctor is just telling you like, yeah, I sit and wrap it, but like, it just has to heal on its own. So I'm not going to like take it in or anything, but, uh, yeah. So I got back yesterday, just feeling like exhausted and took a big, long nap. And, uh, now I'm just getting back in the swing of things, but it was still nice to like, get out, be away have a long, a long weekend.
1: Yeah. We both kind of extended that long weekend today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we did. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. Uh, so we, we got to meet up with, uh,
0: with Derek, Derek Rammer of Savvy Cal of, of the art of products podcast fame and, Mm -hmm. uh, and his wife and their friend. And, uh, I got to play some pickleball, eat some burritos, some, some classic Luce Libre, San Diego burritos, and, uh, I had a blast. It was awesome to be able to see him and, and meet in person.
1: Yeah. Really fun. Kind of funny timing too, that he was just on this podcast, like two or three episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> Not coordinated at all. Not planned,
0: uh, but right. we got some good crossovers. Yeah, it was fun. I just, um, yeah. How me how me thinking a little bit, I always think this when these types of things happen, but like whenever I meet someone who I've been interacting with online in person, or just whenever I spend like a lot of time with people in person, like you would at a high school summer camp where you're literally like sharing bunk (laughs) beds with a bunch of high school kids. You just realize like it's, it's just a totally different experience, like seeing people in person and like really nice, just being able to be in person with people and like know people in person. So we always harp on the whole, you know, remote work thing and Mm -hmm. sort of how cool it is to, you know, be nomadic and stuff. But like, I consider myself an introvert but like I also really really like seeing people in person and uh it could just be like the after effects of covid but I enjoy and soak up every every moment of it.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. Like it's you know going to the co-working space has been really helpful for me um mm-hmm. but I haven't developed the relationships there yet. It's it's always kind of tricky at co-working spaces where everyone, you know, is kind of doing their own thing, is heads down sometimes and Right. unless there's like a lot of events which there aren't right now um it can be harder to meet people there but yeah seeing people in person and uh you know just hanging out and doing whatever is is so nice you would want to like tap on someone's shoulder and be like hey can <laughs>
0: i like can you stop whatever you're doing and like talk to me yeah can you pull out your I mean, uh airpods and <laughs> right yeah that's another kind of like hard dynamic of yeah uh even my wife can't even get my attention sometimes because I have them on, (laughs) you know, the noise cancellation mode. And she's like, it's like, you're not even here. I'm like, that's exactly the point. I'm like trying to focus and get work done. Sorry. But I can't imagine what it's like at a co-working space where you have to like really block out a lot. You know, you're like intentionally Mm -hmm. trying to ignore people. Right. Yeah. Unless you're not. And you're trying to meet people, but it's hard to know who those people are. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun today. It's fun, uh, getting me able to meet in person, get some, uh, some physical activity in some pickleball in. Um, it's so funny. Like, I feel like you just, uh, you just like start talking about something or you start like doing something. And then all of a sudden, like, (laughs) it's a thing. Like I, you know, I've only played pickleball like nine or 10 times now. Um, and like the first time I played was just a couple of months ago. And now I'm like, playing pickleball with internet strangers from, you know, <laughs> Minneapolis, <laughs> right? you
1: like, just make it happen? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, yeah, you just put it out there and then, I don't know, it somehow attracts people or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you, uh, you kind of just, I was going to say you just did ahead. that recently with your uh, manifest destiny post.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a unintentional segue, but, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I, I managed to do a little bit of writing last week, which felt good. Just kind of like get out there. Um, I feel like my, my writing is always like very, it just like comes in like these spurts and kind of sprints. Um, so I kind of just like cranked out these two simple blog posts that I've been like chewing on for a long time and finally just sat down and wrote. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so there's one called Manifest Destiny, which is like this idea of like just kind of putting stuff out there to see what'll happen and like make my intentions known. And then I published another one and actually I had a tweet scheduled and I don't think it actually got scheduled. I think there was maybe some sort of bug. So I need to like promote it this week, but it's about um, startup funding options for, for SaaS and for software. Just like kind of my thoughts mm. on what I think is, you know, the the lay of the land and options out there not that like my opinion has like a ton of weight about this in particular, but I just figured I would like write about it even to help clarify my own thoughts. And, um, uh, yeah. So both of them were fun. I was glad to kind of get them out there, especially last week being a short week. It felt good. Just like have those to put up on the pedestal
1: of like, look, I was productive. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I read the, I missed the SAS funding one, but I read the Manifest Destiny post and I was definitely very impressed by like your thoughtfulness around kind of what you're aiming for. I think I personally have struggled with that at times where I'm just like only looking at, you know, the very next step in front of me and not having a good idea of yeah, what, what I what am I really aiming for and um I think that's for me it's it's caused me to grapple with some decisions more and uh struggle a bit more. Whereas I think if you are clear about what it is that you want and, and it, it just makes like the decision making process easier.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. And I think both of those approaches are features, not bugs. Like I struggle with having to like, you know, put my head down a little bit and look at like the next step of where I'm going and what I'm doing, you know, day after Mm. day, because I'm just like, so in the future and like always trying to map things out and strategize and plan that you have to, you know, actually get in, in doing mode and execution mode and make those things happen. Not that that's like a struggle, but it's just, my mind is, is not on like what's in front of me. It's in what's ahead. And, uh, so, but I mean, also part of this is like, I mean, it didn't really come easily. Like these are all like the biggest, you know, like philosophical questions of my life, basically. <laughs> like What mm-hmm. what do I want to like do and achieve? And so it's not that it, like came easily, but just stuff I've been chewing on for a long time. And finally sort of like packaging up into words. Um, and also trying to really focus in on like why I'm writing about these things. uh, and like, I sort of like hinted at it a few times within the blog post, but like, it's weird talking about what you want to do, knowing that what you want to do will probably change. And so mm. it's also not like, a, this is exactly, these are the things I want to do. Like, I am well aware that these things will probably change in the past. If I had done this, it would look completely different. So like it could very well look different in another couple of years from now. And like, that's okay. as long As I'm like thinking clearly and there's good
1: reasons for that change. Yeah. Yeah. It's based on the experiences you've had now, the, you know, the knowledge that you have now, and obviously that's going to change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like you said, as I think that knowing where you're going and what you're working towards, like there is definitely some, some good benefit to that because it really gives you clarity around decisions you have to make and sort of why you're doing what you're doing and you know, where all these kind of like one step in front of the other steps lead to. Yeah, totally. I'll, uh, I'll link to it in the, in the show notes, but quick recap on, I think the four or five things that I laid out, which are like pretty, like all over the place, like they're not entirely all connected. Um, but number one was start a SAS business that does 1 million ARR plus plus. Uh, number two was achieve some financial independence through at least 2 million invested before the age of 40, like trying to practice some like smart goal, (laughs) best practices of, uh, making them specific, measurable, actionable, reachable, something like that. You know, having them be realistic (laughs) ones. Yeah. Uh, started a nonprofit focused on sustainable giving, um, invest in businesses quote unquote professionally and write a really good book or two or three. Uh, like those are like the big, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's a weird exercise to go through, but like, you know, it's not like these are the things I want to do. Well, some of them, there's kind of like an age limit, like before age 40, but like most of these things are like, all right. In the next, I don't know,
1: 60 years, you know, kind of give them, myself time to do these things. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, once you lay those out, it's like, okay, then you can kind of start developing a plan by just working backwards from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and all these things will probably,
0: some of them will be concurrent or like very part-time or, you know, different seasons of life. So it's not like a a very linear path either. What made you pick the...
1: Uh, what made you pick the $1 million ARR level versus say 10 or 50 or a <laughs> hundred? Uh, well, I just felt like
0: 1 million was like the, like the floor. That was like the, you know, I feel like that's the number. It's like the big milestone for like, okay, this is like a pretty substantial business that also, I think that, the, you know, the 1 million ARR is usually kind of like the, the milestone where, um, then the, uh, like the the exit multiples go from, like, you know, seller discretionary, uh, or I'm sorry, owner discretionary earnings, or, yeah, seller discretionary earnings to more of, like, a ARR multiple. And um, and it's also just, like, I don't know, a, a milestone for, like, a SaaS business. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, a, like, that's, that's, like, the, at least, you know, I'd like to build a business at least this big. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah i've been thinking a little bit about this lately uh lately <laughs> i i how do i say this without sounding uh I, I guess what I've been thinking about is like how small uh indie sas businesses are mm. like <laughs> hitting 100k 200k 500k arr is like can definitely be life-changing for uh you know a solo operator or maybe two-person team uh but to actually build like uh i don't know five to ten person company you do need a lot more revenue than that oh yeah Uh, and yeah and it's I don't know, in some senses, like, it, it does have me wanting to aim bigger and, uh, you know, shoot for bigger milestones. Because it's, like, one thing I've learned in the last uh, almost two years now of doing Jetboost, it's, like, very hard to operate a business on your own. Mm. Um, yeah. But to continue to grow a a team that covers all the different areas of the business uh and has some redundancy it's like you can't be at the 100k level like you need to be closer to the million ARR level
0: yeah 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 that's one of the um what was it there was there was some business the other day that i saw someone was talking about their metrics and it was not SaaS it was not software and uh i think it had to do it was like some sort of like you know direct-to-consumer kind of like retail product and um they were talking about how they you know scaled up to like a million dollars a year in sales um but that the margins were really you know low and so like for like a d2c company it's like even more like it's mm-hmm. almost like, you know, take whatever like revenue multiple you need to like build a company of five to ten and then like triple it for a DDC company just because you don't have the same margins to work for, to work with. Uh, at, at the same time, though, I think that the thing about SaaS and software is that labor is actually a lot more expensive. Like you're working with um, salespeople and uh, software developers and designers and like basically all like the best paid non um uh like non doctors or like legal professionals <laughs> and we're like you know all the top paid like normal job people that's what software employs and so even though there's like really high like product margins you have to pay people a very good wage and then that that makes it, you know, so if you have a 10-person company, you need it to be doing at least a million dollars, if not, you know, mm-hmm. 150%, 200, yeah, or 200% uh, of that, you know, two
1: to three million dollars a year just to have good margins. Right. And like in the grand scheme of things, a 10-person company is still absolutely tiny. <laughs> right, it's still so small. Yeah. yeah. My, and my, my
0: friends sort of like his dad's family business is a landscaping company. And that's like the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, the labor is very cheap. It's, you know, minimum wage. And, um, and sort of, it's interesting cause they always talk about how they employ, you know, like 130 people or something like that. But like, I won't share the numbers, but like, they're not that big of a company revenue wise, you know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. sure. There's like a lot of people, but there's not a lot of revenue at the same time, you look at the software company and it's like basically like 10 to one almost for the amount of money you need to be making to employ the same amount of people.
1: Yeah. yeah it's so interesting how people describe their companies, whether it's in revenue or in employee headcount, it, it <laughs> definitely varies based on the industry that you're in and what makes the company look the largest, I guess.
0: Hmm. Yeah. 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 So anyways, that's why I sort of picked that. I just figured it was like a cool. good, like, you know, big enough to where it feels substantial and kind of lofty,
1: but also still like,
0: that's like the floor, you know,
1: that's like the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a great number to shoot for. Yeah. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other uh, thoughts or questions
0: on that? Um, Just on like the blog post or not like toot my own horn, but just curious if there's anything else you had in mind before I moved on.
1: Yeah. I I thought it was really important that, you know, the majority of the blog post wasn't uh, to build a million dollar ARR SaaS. Like there was, (laughs) you know, all that you want like that is enabling you to do a lot of the other things that you wrote about like um being able to uh, be financially independent but also to be able to give back um, in various ways i I think that is really important
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a big one i think um one of the things i've been chewing on i'm not exactly sure what to think of it because i this is one of the ones where I feel like my mind will probably change or like is the most susceptible to change. But I think that a lot of, a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, just like consider themselves, like I'm just going to go from one company to the next. And like, this is what I do. I just forever like build a company and then sell it or like build another company and like just start things over and over and over again. I don't really see myself being like a career CEO or, you know, CMO. I think that there's probably like a stopping point or at least like some place where, Oh, you know, it's no longer like the main driver. Not that I wouldn't like do it or enjoy doing it. But like, uh, I think, I think that starting a business and also like, we're in this like echo chamber kind of like bubble where like it's really cool to start companies and businesses. And it kind of sounds like this is just what I do. And like, I'm the superhuman who just like launches stuff all the time, but like it's not entirely normal. And like, it's a pretty big deal to like (laughs) build and launch and and sell a business or have some sort of like meaningful, you know, reach some sort of meaningful scale. And like, I don't know if I want to do that forever or like if that's even sustainable for me or for some of the other things I want to do, for for family, like, you know, I wouldn't trade places with an Elon Musk or a, a Jeff Bezos. Not that like anything I would build would probably be anything of that scale. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. it's insanely unlikely. Um, but there are other people who spend their whole life building these companies and like being a CEO and it's like, well, you know, is that really what they wanna do or it's just like that's what they do because they don't have anything else to do.
1: Right. Yeah, I think it's, I would much prefer balance there. Like I I would rather build a company that's 10 times smaller, but enables me to spend 10 times more with my family and friends and all that. Like to me, that's more important. I think the difference too, is that, um,
0: you know, I think this will change a bit, but like it's hard because for, for SAS and for software, like anything tech related, um, it's, it's pretty like ruthless with disruption and like technology cycles and, uh, competition. And it's like, it's not the thing where you can like be like a career CEO of your business forever. And like, just keep doing the same stuff over and over and over again, where you're just like a local business serving, your local community. And like, that's what you do. And maybe even, you know, revenue stays the same or, you know, slightly increases, slightly decreases sometimes. Like if you're not like really on it and you're like pushing a lot, uh, like either the business kind of stagnates and falls apart or like you just like disappear and you hire someone else and like, that's totally fine. But like, I don't know if you can really be like a CEO of a tech company, For a long time, you know, for like 20 or 30 years. So that's why I feel like a lot of these people end up becoming like career kind of founders where they start Mm -hmm. thing after thing after thing, because the cycles are pretty short. You know, it's like five to 10 years per business um, instead of spending 25 years in one business, like a local business, for example, uh, or something more altruistic or something that has, you know, or even like a, a nonprofit, you know, or some sort of like organization or program or or teaching, you know, where it's not really like uh, it's not really about the revenue as much as it is about the thing that you're doing or the service that you're providing. Um, So when I say like I can't really see myself being a career CEO it's kind of what I mean. It's like I don't know if I could really see myself doing like tech company after tech company after tech company. Like maybe I don't know if it's like fun and if it's still interesting or if dynamics change or if it feels right and I'm not saying I would never start like another, uh, but, um, I, I maybe could see myself being doing that if it was like something else, not a tech company, just cause, um, maybe that provides some more, some more room for some longevity.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, you put it really, really well, like the ruthless nonstop, disruption, innovation, change. It's really, really tough in tech. And, you know, even with something as small as JetBoost, like I'm seeing that it's the landscape today in the Webflow ecosystem is quite different than what it was two years ago. Uh, And I think part of that, you know, (laughs) not to toot my own horn, but I think part of that is like JetBoost showed some people what was possible and um you know people are are building upon that and and innovating on that and it wouldn't surprise me if somebody builds a better jet boost uh i think i've like feared that for a while now um and i'm starting to make my peace with it like it's (laughs) (laughs) it's inevitable that like you said that that disruption is going to happen and, and whether it's, you know, uh, another third party tool or, uh, Webflow building a lot of the jet boost features themselves into into the platform. Uh, like this isn't something that's going to last forever. Uh, it is not going to last for 25 years. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm coming to terms with that and being okay with that and, um, I don't know. I think maybe where I differ is like all I can see myself doing is like starting another company. Like I would be happy to continue to build and start new companies for the next, you know, Mm. however long the rest of my career is. Uh, But that's how I feel now, you know, maybe do it one or two more times and (laughs) it might be too exhausting. (laughs) Um, But yeah. 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 We'll see.
0: I think that, I think it's, it's actually mostly colored by like, I definitely couldn't see myself being like a career CMO, um, like kind of jumping ship and like starting from scratch doing marketing for one company to the next company to the next company. That sounds even actually, that sounds even harder and worse than like being a career CEO to me. Um, just because you have to like find the right company to work for, to become the CMO for, and you know, there's all sorts of different dynamics that are outside of your control and uh, that just sounds like a lot, a lot of work. Uh, it's not the same as like, oh, I'm I'm a nurse or like I'm a, mm-hmm. I don't know, firefighter or like fill in the blank for any other, you know, craftsman or artisan or sort of like service-based job or it's, you know, it's not really, what you do isn't really going to change all that much. But like, dude, marketing's a grind. <laughs> like, it changes all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't know if I could just... That sounds like a punishment to just have to figure that out time and time and time again
1: for, you know, another 30, 40 years. Yeah. It's so funny because I've thought the exact same thing about programming. Like Uh I love it and I still enjoy learning new things and, and learning about tech, although I have a a lot less time to uh, do that nowadays. But like, I would think, you know, am I going to be still, you know, like you said, jumping from company to company as a programmer when I'm 55, 60, like there are definitely people that do it and that's not a knock on them at all. Like, I think that's awesome. Uh, but it sounds like such a grind, like you said. Like, it's very hard to find a comfortable position where you can not keep your skills up to date and uh, mm-hmm. just kind of ride it out yeah. until you retire. Like, it's it's tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Cool. Um By the way, was uh was Derek taller or shorter than you thought in uh in <laughs> person?
1: <laughs> you know what's funny is I knew he was tall. I think maybe he's like talked about it on his podcast before, and yet he was still taller in person than I expected.
0: Exactly the same.
1: Yep. <laughs> I yeah. I think I remembered
0: afterwards, I was like, oh yeah, I I knew for sure that Ben was tall. I knew that Rob was tall and I had heard Derek say that he was tall, but I think us being like a little bit on the taller side too, I was kind of like, okay, it well, was probably like, you know, a little bit shorter or like the same height as me,
1: but yeah, how tall when you? he was
0: taller, I was like, oh dang, he, he actually is really tall. <laughs> yeah. Cause you are what, like six, three or four? Uh, six, two. Actually, I've been telling my wife forever that I was six, one. And, uh, cause that was like the last measurement that I got and I didn't think that I had grown. Um, and the most recent one as of like a month ago,
1: because she argued with me so much was (laughs) sixteen. That's funny. Yeah. I didn't know Rob was tall. That actually is shocking to me. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's like when you only ever see someone on zoom. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You never
0: know. Yeah. It's, uh, Something with bootstrappers and uh, and being tall, something in the air there. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Causation, correlation, who knows? Who knows? Well,
1: anything else before we wrap? Uh, just maybe one more thing I'll share from last week. Yeah. Uh, something that I learned. So this was actually... so, uh, but, uh, Noah started full-time and... Corey is uh, doing well on boarding on the product side, and he's working on some uh, pretty cool changes there. And that's been going for about a month now. Uh, and one piece of advice I'd gotten from the JetBoost Advisory Board from a couple of people on that was, like, as you start to hire more people, especially uh, contractors, it's very easy to kind of silo everyone off And have everything funnel through you. And lo and behold, like I had totally fallen into that where, like, I worked with Noah on customer service stuff. I worked with Corey on product stuff. But then, like, sometimes Noah and I would be talking about the product because obviously customers are bringing up issues and, uh, you know, feature requests and suggestions and all that. And uh, so Corey ended up suggesting that we do like, basically twice a week uh, morning calls with the entire team now. Uh, Mm. And so we did our first one last week and it was like, it was really awesome. Like they both really uh, appreciated it. And you know, it adds a level of accountability. We all talked about that. Um, Even though that's not really the point of it, it's more like it just feels like you're, because everyone's remote, Uh, it feels more like you're a part of a team that, that you're not just working, uh, on your own. And I was really surprised at how good that felt. I don't know why I was that surprised. Like afterwards it seemed obvious. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I guess like, as someone who's hiring, you know, contractors for the first time. And, uh, it's like, you want to just, okay, this person's doing this job. This person's doing this job. Um, but really, you can build more. Uh, I think cross-functional teams, if if you're intentional about it, which I hadn't yeah. done. Hmm. that's a really good
0: point. I think that would probably be like a big focus and like area for improvement for any and all company trying to be remote and maybe also pushing for more like a async culture. Is that's it's probably way too easy to like kind of work in silos for no one to talk to each other and kind of just have like this, you know, silent working style where everyone's doing their own thing. And then you miss out on a lot of the collaboration, sharing insights and stories and experiences from the product customers and what each other is working on, how that, you know, intersects. So, uh, yeah,
1: that's really good point. Yeah. I was like really trying to embrace, like asynchronous work I think maybe it's gone a little bit too far at least for my personal taste. again kind of like what we talked about uh meeting up with people in person uh, yeah you know I've been at companies before where there's tons and tons of meetings and you know uh all hands like company-wide meetings with like a 500 person company where you don't care about 95% of the the meeting content <laughs> you know <laughs> Like I've had those experiences, so I've been very like, okay, we're gonna run everything async, and we're not gonna have meetings, and uh, you know, it's just sort of like a, a realization last week. Like, actually, with a small team, uh, it is nice to all get together, and it's not that formal, and it's you know, it's part meeting, getting stuff done, but then also part just like social, uh, which was which was yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally.
0: I agree. The balance is or the answer is somewhere in the middle, you know, it's balanced to everything, yeah. everything in moderation. I agree. I think that, you know, it's difficult too with like remote or sort of with a with like flexible work and working with contractors too. Cause you know, you want to be like less on a schedule or when people are making right. their own hours, it's a little bit more difficult, but having those kind of like touch points and just like a little bit of structure, these kind of like guardrails, um, can help at least at a minimum yeah
1: yeah and i think just the fact too uh, that contractors themselves were asking for it like it wasn't like you know oh, right yeah me <laughs> mandating like all right we're, we're doing this meeting at this time and you better show mm-hmm. you know I, I wouldn't feel so good about that but um yeah it, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that it worked out well that's a good point yeah, really good point. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: was great nice note to end learned. on. Uh, great uh, great point. Yeah. Well, shall we wrap it? I think so. All righty. Well, I'll have the links to those blog posts in the show notes and as many of the other kind of mentions and things we talked about uh, there as well. And um, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. If you can leave us a rating, rating or review, they'll go a long, long way. We haven't done that really like ever, uh, but uh, a couple <laughs> nice ratings, We'll read them. In fact, if you give us a rating and you post on Twitter or you DM us or email us or something, uh, we'll read them uh, and or give you a shout out for you, for your business, whatever that looks like, whatever you want us to do. Um, otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.